Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, we should take great delight in the fact that God loves us and that God understands us. Uh, because love begets kindness and mercy, and we need a God that is kind and merciful. Uh, but not only is God kind and merciful to us, God also understands us. Uh, when you look at humanity, it's not easy to understand us. Uh, I don't know that we understand ourselves, but I'm glad that God understands us. And God sees not only what we do, he sees us and he understands us. And to say that God understands us is to say that God has a clear and full perspective. And I don't know that it can be said of man that we see anything uh, with a full and clear perspective. Uh, but understanding will move you to have compassion where others judge. Uh, it will move you to have patience where others are critical and it will move you to forbear where others will write off. Uh, the psalmist declares in Psalm 103, uh, verse 13 and 14, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Now I imagine God looks down quite often at what we do and I just has to shake his head sometime and say, but they just dust. Uh, I, I'm glad that he understands us. I, I'm glad that he is merciful and kind to us. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning again to the text that was read into our hearing there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We want to read there in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, read again verse number 17. The apostle declares, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Based on the words of the apostle here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, the great transformer. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, I submit to you that Jesus is a transformer. Uh, not in the manner of Optimus Prime or Bumblebee, uh, but rather as one who can affect transformation as it pertains to our greatest need. The prevailing thought for this message is that God has the power to change. And I find that fact encouraging because everybody needs some change. And, and I know someone may, may say, well, preacher, you don't know me. How do you know what I need? And I answer, I may not know you, but I try to know my Bible. And in the Bible, in Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3, uh, there the Holy Spirit declares, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So while I may not know you, God knows all of us, and the word from God is that all of us need some change. And it is ironic then that the very thing we need can be the very thing we are resistant to. You know, we don't always embrace the need to change. And there are varying reasons for this. I, I think sometimes we resist change because uh, it, it calls us to the unknown. And, and you know, the unknown can be intimidating. Uh, sometimes we resist change because it can be unpleasant. Uh, you know, it, it can be challenging and call us from uh, our comfort zone. And then sometimes I think we just resist change because it's undesirable. We just prefer what we already have. But thank God then for Christ Jesus, for to come in contact with Jesus is to be changed. And, and not just change, but change for the better. You notice when you read the Bible account that the people that came into contact with Jesus uh, were changed for the better. Uh, Peter was changed for the better. Uh, Saul of Tarsus was changed for the better. When you spent time with Jesus, the, the, the inevitable uh, uh, thing that happened is that you are changed for the better. But change, like, he, uh, like healing, is a process. And, and not just a process, but it's an ongoing process. If you look there uh, at 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 16, Paul says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We never reach the point where we fully arrive, but thank God he has the power to work on us each day and help us each day to be what we need to be. And even as Jesus is a different kind of doctor, so he's, a different, uh, uh, he's different as a catalyst of change. And it's just amazing when you stop and think about it, uh, what God can do through us because of the change that Jesus affects in us. See, in Christ, we are made into new creations, uh, citizens uh, of the kingdom of heaven and vessels in God's service. And for these things, we are unsuited uh, uh, if we are not changed. But because God is able, his power brings these things to fruition in Christ Jesus. Now, the change declared in verse number 17 is conditional. Notice what Paul says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. That means whatever he's about to say, if I'm not in Christ, then what he's about to say doesn't apply to me. But what does it mean to be in Christ? Uh, you know, to be in Christ, does, it means more than just to have religious sentiment. Uh, it means more than just to have some kind of religious experience. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, Paul declared, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Uh, and from what Paul says in Galatians 3, 26, uh, uh, 27, to be in Christ then means I have obeyed the gospel of Christ. I have been baptized into Christ, into the church of Christ, and am a member uh, of the kingdom of heaven. And according to the text in verse number 17, it is in Christ that this miraculous transformation or change takes place. In Christ, we become new creatures or new creations, 
the old passes away and all things become new. But I think that begs a, a second question. It, it, what does it mean to be a new creature or, or, or a new creation? Paul says, uh, old things are passed away and all things are become new. And you know, we like new stuff. You know, we, we, we'll get something that we already have just because it's new. You know, some of us, we have a, and I don't even know what number they're on. It, it, some of us have an iPhone 10 or whatever number they're on. But as soon as they release iPhone 11, we'll get that one. Even though my 10 is working fine, we just like new stuff. And I ain't mad at you. I like new stuff. Phones just ain't my thing. I think I still have about an iPhone 3. I, you know, and as long as that one keep working, I'm going to keep using that one. But, but we like new stuff. But I remember reading in Revelation 2.17 and in Revelation 3.12 that the children of God get a new name. Now, I don't know about you. My name was Ricky Cook before I was baptized into Christ, and my name is still Ricky Cook. So if we get some new stuff, if we get a new name, what exactly is the new stuff that we get? What changed? And in reality, quite a bit changed. Now, there's no denying from the text in verse number 17 that a change occurs. There is a transformation. And in our being reconciled to God and made suitable for service in his kingdom, a number of things are changed. When we look again at verse number 17, Paul says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I submit to you, number one this morning, uh, uh, that one of the things that change is that Christ has the power to change a person's history. And, and, and just for context, when, when I say history this morning, the record of one's past. Now, you know, the history can be told inaccurately. You know, and we don't have a problem telling history inaccurately, and I don't just mean in the history books. You know, now the history books, uh, you know, many of them still say that Columbus discovered America. Uh, they'll still attribute certain achievements uh, uh, to the person who didn't actually achieve it. But history in that sense is not the only history that's told inaccurately. You know, sometimes we tell our own history inaccurately. And, and you can tell when we're telling our history inaccurately when we start using those absolute terms. I never did this. Well, you might not have did that, but you sinned somewhere. And, and don't let Jesus have to set you straight like he did the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to want to tell history so that it looks favorable to our position. Uh, but, but God knows our real history. And remember, even when it concerns Jesus, history is told inaccurately. You remember Matthew 28, uh, uh, verse number 15, uh, Matthew says there that it was still being reported commonly that the disciples came and stole Jesus' body away. Now this years after it had happened, they're still telling history inaccurately. And have you ever had somebody recount your personal history incorrectly? I, you know, I try not to let things get my goat, but, but, but depending on what part of my history you tell, if you don't tell it right, I'm going to probably have a few issues. If we don't like people to tell our personal history incorrectly. But lest we be self-righteous about the matter, we all have some history that we would prefer not be on the evening news. 
You know, Romans 3.23 still says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and the thing about your history, see, your history, depending on what it is, your history can prove to be a hindrance. Do you remember a fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsus? You remember God told Ananias to go down and tell Saul what he needed to do? And you remember what Ananias said? Ananias said, Lord, I, I'm familiar with this man's history. You must have the wrong fellow. See, because in this fellow's history, there is the prosecuting and killing of Christians. Surely you don't want me to go down and talk to this fellow. Ananias was reluctant to teach Saul because of Saul's history. You know, when you want to buy something on credit, uh, and, and if you're thinking about that, you might need to enroll in financial peace. Uh, 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 but when you want to buy something on credit, what do they consider? Your history. Yeah, now they call it your credit report, uh, but, but that's what it is. It's your history. How have you paid in the past? And see, what they are forecasting is if you have not paid in the past, uh, then we are of the mind that you will not pay in the future. And we all have a history of sin, but it's washed away in the blood of Jesus in the waters of baptism. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, Acts 2.38 ought to be standard memorization uh, if you're a member of the church. Uh, you know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But have you ever thought about what that means uh, 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 when we are baptized into Christ Jesus for the remission of sins? In, in Hebrews chapter 8 and, and verse number 12, uh, there's something that's brought to light to us because of the blood of Jesus. In, in Hebrews 8 and verse number 12, the Bible says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. The blood of Jesus changes our history as far as God is concerned. God said, when you go down into the waters of baptism, I know who you were. I know what you did, but for my son's sake, I'm not going to hold it against you. It is as if it had never happened in the first place. And appreciate the change in our history is not a sentimental rewrite or misrepresentation of the facts. It is a change based on the righteous sacrifice of one for many that justice might be met. That's what Paul is saying there in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Now, I just can't go in and act like you never did anything wrong. Something has to be done about your sin. We can change your history, but God said, but I've got to do it in a righteous way. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So one of the things we get in Christ Jesus is we get a new history. I, I don't have to be plagued by the just do for what I've done in my past. And I submit to you, because he has the power to change a person's history, Christ also has uh, the power to change people. Now, you want to talk about something that's miraculous. Changing people is something. Uh, you know, as much as we think we can't, we can't change people. You know, some of us labor under that delusion before we go down the aisle together. You know, folk warning you that might not be the best choice. I can change him. That's why you come back singing that sad song a little while later, because you find out you can't. Only God can change people, and Jesus can change what really matters. 
See, man can give a new look, but he can't transform into a new creation. Man can change the law, but he can't change the heart. And man focuses on the external and the temporary. You know, you ever notice when men try to change things, it, men change things what you look like, what you wear, what the style is. You know, that's the kind of things men want to change. You, you ever watch uh, uh, TV and notice uh, the commercials are always about changing something external? You know, we, we can change it from a plump you to a slim you. We can change it from an older looking you to a younger looking you. But, but man can't change the things that really matter. Now, by contrast, Jesus focuses on the internal and the eternal. See, Jesus is not so much concerned about what we look like on the outside. You can be plump, slim, or somewhere in between. That, that's not God's primary concern. God wants to change our nature, the, the way we think, and, and change our standards. And one of the ways that God changes us is by the working of the Holy Spirit in us. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit will produce in us if we allow him to work. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And I know some of us, you know, we were loving folk before we obeyed the gospel. But, but do you know the standard God raises love to? But I say unto you, love your enemies unconditionally. Pray for them. Now, you, you, you don't love in Christ, uh, 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 like, uh, you don't love out of Christ like you do now. It, it, God just works in us and takes that to a, a, a different level. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now that's how God is able to change us. Now, now you know who we are apart from God? Uh, apart from Jesus, we are divided over color, economy, politics, geography, and on the list could go. But in Christ, we are different people. You know, it's only in Christ you could get a Democrat and a Republican to sit next to each other and love one another. And only in Christ. It's only in Christ that you could get a Ravens fan and a Steeler fan to hug each other and genuinely mean it. In Christ, we are changed people. And because he can change people, I submit to you that Jesus also has the power to change lives. In Proverbs 15, verse 13, uh, 13, verse 15, rather, the Bible declares, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. If we are honest, our lives, to a large degree, are the byproduct of our living. Now, I know sometimes we just suffering innocently for the cause of Christ Jesus, but every woe we had doesn't stem from us living right like Job. If we are honest, we can look back and say, there are some decisions I made, some choices I undertook, that I'm still feeling consequences from in my life today. But by his guidance and counsel, Jesus leads us in the good and right way. In John 10, verse 10, uh, Jesus declared, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus has the power to change lives. And do you want your life to be better? You know, sometimes what we want, we aren't willing to work for to get. 
Jesus said, I can make your life better, but I'm not just waving some spiritual wand going abracadabra and your life is better just because you want it to be. If you want your life to be better, set your mind to walk with Jesus. And, and, and I don't mean just come to worship regular for, for a couple of Sundays or be a little nicer or a little less mean for a little while. Set your mind to walk with Jesus and remember it's a process. You know, seeds don't grow overnight. And one of the sure things you can do to make sure a seed won't grow over all is keep digging it up to see if it's sprouted yet. You got to put it in the ground and then just let happen what happens. You want your life to be better, walk with God. Now, don't keep digging your life up every five minutes seeing if God made some changes. You know, it took you 20, 30, 40 years to get to where you are. And for it to make an impression on you, God ain't going to bail you out of stuff overnight. But walk with God and see if he doesn't change your living. We just gave consideration to the fruit of the spirit. Fruit isn't something that you just grow. You enjoy it once it's grown. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't change us just for the sake of change. He changes us that we might live the abundant life. And appreciate, being in Christ does not take the struggle out of living or the rigor out of life. Job just had it right. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. But you want to live the good life. You know, when Jesus changed you, changed your heart, changed the way you think, you know, you don't fret over the stuff you used to fret over. How is it we get to the point where we don't worry about anything? You got to let God do some changing in you. I got to change my priorities. I got to change uh, 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 just my, my outlook on things. I, I got to change my understanding of who's really in control. And as God is able to work these changes in us, he changes our lives. And the change, as Paul indicated here, the change is wrought in us in Christ Jesus. And if the question is asked, how does one enter into Christ Jesus? That's a good Bible question that deserves a Bible answer. One gets into Christ, first of all, by hearing the gospel message. Romans 10, verse 17, Paul declares that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And after hearing the good news that Jesus died for our sins, but now lives and reigns uh, as our Savior, we must believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 8, verse 24. Jesus says, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And because we believe that Jesus is the Christ, there are some changes that we must make in order for God to make some changes in us. And one of the things we must change, we must change our approach to life. Now, the biblical term for that is repentance. It is a change of mind which leads to a change of living. Uh, Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5, Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. When we make up our minds to walk after the word and will of God, we must be willing to make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And even having done all of those things, the Bible requires that we be baptized in water, 
by the authority of Christ Jesus himself for the remission of sins. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins. That's part of the change. He's changing our history. He indwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. And he, the expectation thereafter is that we will live changed lives in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.1, the Bible declares that we ought to walk worthy of the vocation with which we have been called. And when you walk with Jesus day by day, after a while you look back and you can see some change. You know? And people will see a change. They'll notice you're not the you you used to be. Now don't take God's credit. You give glory where glory is due. That's Jesus working in me. That's the grace of God that's helping me be better than I was. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.